Here on the AHL Report. It is Tuesday, March 12th, 2019, and I'm your host, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, Amy Johnson. And of course, I'm joined every week by my fabulous co host, our founder and editor in chief here across all of our Rocket Sports Media brands. That would be the one and only Mr. Wick Stevens. Good afternoon. Um, wishing you. A good afternoon from um, Northwestern Ontario. Been wow, yeah. Which which was the frigid Northwestern Ontario last week um, in the minus thirties. Uh, this 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 week uh, a little bit more balmy, but still a ton a ton of snow as they say. Really, great hockey. We had well, I bet. We have we've had some snow here in Pennsylvania, believe it or not, um, with temperatures uh, on the Fahrenheit side. Temperatures getting up into the 40s and 50s this week. It's rapidly melting. There's no tobogganing to be had. No tobogganing. Well, wow. it's no. <laughs> still do that here. But would your face freeze? Uh, last week, yes. Yeah, it's been more than 30 <laughs> seconds outside, and and, uh, and you would definitely freeze. Quickly reminded of, of what it was like to grow up here. Wow. Well, keep the heat turned on. Extra socks, you know. All well, of I those noticed, good things. I noticed on our, you know, our, our national day calendar that uh, a few of our listeners like to to re- remind us to to announce and tomorrow is is national earmuff day um and oh, that's really? good because yeah in, in thunder bay you can finally take your toque off and just leave your earmuffs on uh, up until now you've, you've had to kind of double up you know the earmuffs oh, and the okay. toque over top yeah so tomorrow wow. will fit right in just national earmuff day just in time mm-hmm. just in time so and national today's National Day. Plant of Flower Day, which seems, I mean, <laughs> well, I, I could do I, that I, here. Yeah, you can't do that. Well, I mean, you could start your perennial seeds inside. You could start your tomatoes, or you put them on the windowsill, or do whatever. But it's pretty tough. Pretty well, tough. Has to be pretty hardy plants to be planted today outside. Well, that's true. But so, is it National Plant? flowers outside day or you you know just plant a flower inside and then take it outside when it's nice yeah i guess it says national plant a flower day so it leaves leaves it op- leaves your options open fortunately all right so national plant a flower day national earmuff day i'm i'm a little disappointed in the lack of edible national content here you got to wait till thursday oh Thir- thursday is national pie day now listen. Three fourteen. Three fourteen. You know. We okay. I was gonna say we just talked about this, right? What? The, the Remember day all a the couple time. of weeks ago, people. I we we discussed that it was the real cherry pie day, and here and we said, okay, we're gonna remember now for the rest of the year that there's no more cherry pie days because well, Rick Stevens will try to have cherry pie day pie once day. a month. And you see what he's done. Do you see what he's done? It is a mathematical conspiracy. Mm-hmm. 
you just take the flavor out and then it's well it's whatever pie you want. Three point one four one point yeah. I used to oh god, there used to be a there's an engineering school in the area where I live and, and the engineering students were so geeky that they actually had a pie chant that was three point one four one point nine and yeah, it was they used to chant it at like football games. It's it was very sad. <laughs> Now, if if sweet isn't your thing on National Pie Day on Thursday, um, it could be you could go for salty, which is is National Potato Chip Day. Oh, I and thought you were going to say like have have like chicken pot pie. No, 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 no. This is this is National Potato Chip Day, and of course, uh, that's one of the best things about being in this part of the country is you get to indulge in the best potato chips in the world, Old Dutch. Why do I and feel like uh, you've had Jordy potato ben, chip days? <laughs> uh, which brings us back to hockey. Jordy Ben, um, the Canadians are putting, uh, they're, they're raffling their, what's in their traveling pack or um, wh- what they take with them on the road, what's in their suitcase. Uh, they, they, okay. They put, each of them have put together a bit of a, a traveling pack and uh, they're being auctioned off for the, the, uh, the uh, Canadian Children's Foundation. Nice. And Jordy Ben is is it's stuffed with old Dutch potato chips. Why am I not surprised that Jordy Ben packs nothing <laughs> but potato chips for road yeah. trips? Mm-hmm. And old Dutch. Maybe Jordy Ben. Sh- maybe Jordy Ben should be eating less old Dutch potato chips. <laughs> maybe that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> he could send you his old Dutch potato chips, and maybe he'd play better hockey. Oh, but potato chips, they they just, they're not, they're not, they're not fattening or anything. Well, no, nobody said they were fat. I love the, I love the stories that some of the, the, you know, from hockey days gone by of, you know, guys that used to like intermission, go suck down three or four hot dogs and a couple of cans of Coke at intermission. and <laughs> Or gear you know, first, and, smoke a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. Well, there you yeah. <laughs> I don't think you would have wanted any kids, you know, bidding on what's in Guy Lafleur's road trip oh. bag. No, no. Auction <laughs> <To laughs> off. <laughs> All right, so we've got flowers and earmuffs, potato chips and pie. You've got quite the week. Um, yeah, that's that's quite a full week there. All right, well. Pie and potato chips. I, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Uh, we have a um, pretty full episode for you today. We're uh, going to start, of course, talking a little bit about the Laval Rocket uh, and a little Lehigh Valley Phantoms. We just have a, some some updates there. Uh, we're going to briefly take a look at the three games that the Laval Rocket played last week. Um they played twice against Toronto and once against Utica, all at home at Place Vell. Uh, so we're going to talk about that uh, just briefly, just review how those games went for the Rocket. We're going to spend some time, and it's interesting how the news of the world works out for us. Uh, this was already on the agenda um, that we were going to, to talk about goaltending in Laval and and in the Canadians organization in general. 
um, maybe dispel some myths, right some wrongs, you know, just talk about the goaltenders and, and how they're doing and things of that nature. And then um, there was a call up yesterday. So uh, it actually, even though it was already on the agenda, it became uh, extra relevant for us to be talking about extra timely before tonight's Canadians game. Um, so we're going to spend some time talking about that as well as some roster and injury updates. In our second segment, we're going to go around the AHL and talk about the player of the week, uh, dish out some suspensions from the league. Um, Michael Layton. We're going to talk a little (laughs) briefly about Michael Layton. Yes, he's still playing hockey. Um, And uh, he, uh, he hit a milestone this past week. And of course, we're going to take a brief look at the playoff picture because folks, we are, we're coming down the pike now. We're we're talking we're maybe a month out, a little over a month away from the end of the regular season. So it's time to buckle in and get ready for the playoffs. Um, which means in addition to that, in our segment three, we're going to go beyond the AHL. We're going to talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament coming up. The Frozen Four will be played uh, in just about three weeks or so, uh, which means the selection of uh, the schools that will be competing is going to happen uh, coming up th- later this week. Um, and the, the regional tournaments will take place uh, all on the road to the Frozen Four. So we're going to take a look at um, Flyers and Canadians prospects who are still in the mix for that um, and and where they could possibly land as far as that tournament goes. In addition, teams that are schools that are, are out of the running for the Frozen Four are now seeing as NCAA seasons are coming to an end, some of those prospects are now starting to sign uh, with their respective um, NHL organizations, and so they could be coming into, uh, into play uh, around the league, both in the NHL or AHL. So we're going to talk a little bit about that before we wrap things up at the end of the show with a weekly preview of what's on tap uh, for hockey games coming up this week for Laval and Lehigh Valley. Phew. That's a busy show. It's a busy show. So let's get right to it, Rick. We'll start with uh, taking a look at how Laval did last week. As I mentioned, they played three games last week, all of which were, were quite important in the points race. Uh, they were all against division rivals. Uh, they played Wednesday night and Friday night against Toronto in Laval, and then they played on Saturday night uh, against Utica. Um, interestingly enough, uh, with the Canadians on a Western road trip last weekend, um, the, the Laval Rocket and their fans got to enjoy some I would say a little bit of normalcy playing at home uh, on Friday night, instead of starting at seven 30, they started at seven o'clock uh, likely to be done in time before the Canadians started their game at, at 10 30. Um, and then on Saturday night with the Canadians not playing at all, um, instead of playing their typical three o'clock afternoon matinee start time on Saturday, the rocket had another seven o'clock primetime game, which was uh, turned out to be, uh, quite, uh, quite a, a showing for for Place Bell with uh, about 9,600 people in attendance. It was a sold out crowd, um, and the place was just packed. So, really excellent, uh, really excellent attendance for Laval last week. 
And, and good attendance uh, overall for that that three game homestand. Yeah, um, you know, six thousand or so um, a, a game for the the Toronto series, which is a, a good crowd, a good uh, during the week crowd. Um, mm-hmm. But as you say, no, no, Can- the Canadians weren't playing till later. But then a Saturday night uh, tilt, which is very rare uh, in Laval. Uh, with over nine thousand, so um, that that's, uh, that was a very good week attendance-wise for uh, the Rocket. That it was. Um, starting with that, the Wednesday game, the first of the two games against Laval, that or against Toronto, I should say, uh, that game ended up going to uh, overtime. Uh, Toronto scoring three goals in the second period. Um, Laval scoring a goal in each of the three periods. They forced overtime, but eventually lost that game to Toronto uh, in extra minutes. So they lost that four to three. Then they played Friday night in Laval. And uh, despite putting 42 shots on Michael Hutchinson in goal on Friday night, Laval couldn't put one of them past the Toronto netminder, couldn't find the back of the net once in 42 attempts. And they were, promptly shut out by Toronto three to nothing in what was a terrible game uh, for the Laval Rocket. And so then they turned around on Saturday night and with uh, the energy of a full house behind them playing the Utica Comets, they did win that game five to three. So three out of six possible points um, is what Laval was able to come away with last week. And Rick, there were sure there were some good moments, you know, the, the win against Utica on Saturday, uh, certainly, uh, particularly uh, four goals in the in the third period, uh, really put a commanding stamp on that game. But there were some also there were some not so pretty moments during the week as well. Yeah, I think that um, you know certainly the they they came out gate well um, against um, Toronto and then kind of sagged. Um, uh, in that first game and, and, um, you know, the, the game they won against Utica, they, they got, uh, two power play goals, uh, out of, uh, three opportunities. Now, had they done anything close to that, uh, against Toronto, uh, they went zero for five on the Friday. Um, that, that would have been, you know, a, a big help. Um, and it was just we we saw a lot of of uh, individualistic kind of play, throwing the throwing the the puck at the net without much purpose, and and um, and it it was yeah it was a little painful to watch at times. Um, but like mm-hmm. I said, they kind of came together um, in the Utica game and played more as a, a, a unit, um, especially on the power play. Um. I I definitely agree. The power play, the power play looked much better um, than it has a little more, a little more cohesive Uh, lines are, are getting kind of scattered around all over the place a a little bit with some, some personnel changes and so forth. So, uh, you know, it was also interesting. Let's see what day was it? I believe that it was Saturday. Saturday's game. One of the goals in the in the fourth, or yeah, in the fourth period. In the third period, um, one of the call-ups. We're going to talk about uh, you know roster up in, updates and so forth. But um, there was an ECHL call-up uh, from the Florida Everblades, a player named Joe Cox, uh, who 
played, I think, maybe I'd have to look back at my notes. He played a couple of games on the, maybe the third line and now has been playing first line uh, predominantly, um, just rocketed right up to, to the top line. And he actually ended up with his first, um, his first AHL goal on Saturday night um, on that, on that top line with, uh, with Jake Evans and with Alexander Grenier. Um, and who I know we had, we had talked a little bit too. Grenier is one of those guys, you know, he, last year he was a tremendous player. He was an all-star lat an AHL all-star last year um, was a scoring machine and, I don't know what's happened this year. I don't know if it's the system. I don't know if it's if it's something that he's slumping with or what, but there are times, Rick, that we watch him and he has these flashes of, of really good play and, and can be really effective. And then there's other times that he's just practically invisible or when he's noticeable, it's not for good reasons. Yeah, I think that uh, perhaps Grenier was pushed uh, a little harder uh, last year in another system, another coach. Uh, he's been allowed to coast a lot this season, and uh, um, he's a he's a, a, a player who has size, uh, who uh, could, if he wanted to, get to the net. He doesn't. He he plays extremely soft, um, and. Uh, just kind of hangs around and, and lets things uh, happen easily. And, and um, he's a minus 15 this season for Laval that leads the, the club in a, in, in a negative stat. Um, mm-hmm. And he just, he never seems to be working all that hard, never seems to be paying the price and, and really never seems to be held that, that accountable. Um, uh, for his his uh, lack of bearing down. Yeah. A couple of guys that um, have been noticeable in a good way. Uh, Daniel Audette continues to, to really show um, a little bit of his upside in that, in that four to three overtime loss on Wednesday, he actually had two goals uh, that night um, as well as Lucas Vedemo and Kale Fleury, uh, two guys who are also uh, putting points on the board. Kale Fleury had a goal and two assists on Saturday night. Um, and, and Vedemo has had a goal and an assist on Saturday night as well. Um, and he had an assist in the first game against Toronto last week, both players finding a little bit of offense um, and, and kind of finding their touch a little bit, I spent, particularly I'm, I'm pleased to see, the progression with, with Lucas Vedemo. Um, you know, he, he was, remember when he was drafted and, and early on, uh, you know, he had, he had some promise um, and looked a little out of sorts towards the beginning of the season, but, but seems to kind of be settling in now that he's getting some responsibility, typically on the second line, uh, second line center, um, right behind Jake Evans, first line center. Um, happy to see Flurry and, and Vedamo kind of stepping into their own a little bit here towards the end of the season. Well, it's, it's interesting because uh, with Vedamo, uh, one of the things that um, um, I commented on when we saw him in Lake Placid in, in 2015, that was the first time um, we interviewed him and, and he was mm-hmm. uh, his, his 
dynamic offensive skill, his ability to, to, to protect the puck, his ability to be a playmaker. And I remember in that interview said that um, uh, he, he didn't like to throw the puck away, something to that effect, uh, that, that he'd like to, to do something when he had the puck. Um, and early on this season, I think he was um, mis, misused. Um, I mean, he's, he, he is a, a, a responsible defensive player, but uh, Joel Bouchard seemed to exclusively use him in a defensive role, mostly on the, you know, the third line uh, as a third line center. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's only been um, because he's forced to, uh, move him up the lineup with with uh, with some injuries and players that uh, have been um, uh, have left the the been traded away and so he's moved into that that uh, second line center and Joel Bouchard is uh, I think had his eyes open saying oh my goodness I didn't know anything about this player and all of a sudden he has offense to him um, mm-hmm. you know he's um, 15 goals, or sorry, 11 goals, 15 assists, uh, 26 points. He's a plus six. Um, he has, uh, I think it's interesting. He has three unassisted goals. Um, and that's at the top for, for Lavelle uh, that he can, he can create offense on his own. Um, right now he has the best shooting percentage on the team. That's, that's the kind of guy that, that you want, uh, you would think, on a mm-hmm. power play that's been really struggling, although um, you know he he he's not gotten a lot of power play time, uh, and maybe only uh, only recently. So um, I've 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 liked um, Vedemo's uh, adjustment to the the AHL to pro hockey, um, and uh, I think I've, it's it's also taken some time the coaching staff to recognize uh, you know what we knew some time ago uh, that they have a very skilled uh, uh, player on their hands and and now they're they're seeing that when he's he's been forced into a, a, a different role absolutely and and as you know we've we've also spoken with with Jake Evans once or twice this season and and he has even mentioned that he's had some up and down but now that he's uh, been consistently the the top line center. His his game has progressed as well. You can see the confidence starting to build there as well. Um, he had an assist on Saturday night, um, so it's good to see. There's there you know, that's what you want, right? We talked we talked about this in the last episode about you know developing your own players, and so guys like Vedamo and Flurry and Evans, you you want to be giving them responsibility building their confidence and putting them in situations where positive results occur. um, That's what's going to help their development. Getting buried on the third and fourth line isn't going to help them develop one iota. Um, And 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 now, like you said, mentioning Jake Evans, um, um, we know from, from last year and then the frozen four, um, uh, March, uh, the big goals that he was capable of scoring. Well, um, mm-hmm. Jake Evans leads the Laval rocket with three game winning goals. He, he scores, he's capable of scoring the big goal. Even as a rookie, even as a rookie. So happy to see Brett, that. This... How about Brett Lernout? Um, 
Oh, you know, yeah. I, I, there, there's been some comments that um, certainly Learnout and and um, and Alsner are forming a pretty effective shutdown pair, and um, that it's too bad that Brett Learnout doesn't have any offense to his game is is the kind of narrative <laughs> uh, that's often repeated. Um, Brett Learnout doesn't need to have any offense. <laughs> Well, but but he doesn't get an opportunity to to show if he has right. any offense or not. Um, he's he's all he, he's uh, not put into offensive situations. He's a mainstay on the the penalty kill. Uh, but Brett Lernat has one of the best shots uh, on the back end on the team. Um, That's true. And um, uh, it's interesting. Brett Lernat has has seven points. Um, this season, so you, you might say, "Oh, gee, not 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 much of an offensive defenseman," but four of those points are are shorthanded. Um, hmm. So, <laughs> for a team that has struggled so badly to to find the right combination of of uh, of power play players, why not give him a shot on the point? Seems to be putting up points when it's more difficult uh, shorthanded. Um, yeah, why not? Why not give him an opportunity on the power play, especially with his shot? And again, that's developing one of your own guys. Um, it's funny how once you give your guys who've been there putting in the work, uh, once you give them a little bit of space to, to play their game and they actually can start to produce for you. Um, it's funny how that coincidentally seems to happen. <laughs> So despite the fact that, yes, uh, Laval is still solidly out of a playoff position, um, and we're going to talk in the second segment just about the overall playoff picture around the league, but for Laval specifically, uh, right now they are sitting with 60 points in seventh place in the North Division. They are nine points uh, out of a playoff spot with Belleville coming back to beat the Marlies yesterday afternoon. Um so and they're still not playing even at 500. They're they're at uh, they're they're at 492. Um, so going five, three, two, and zero in their last ten games. Uh, so still things look pretty bleak as far as uh, the team's standings and and the outcome for for how the the season's going to end. But really glad to see that despite all of that, um, they're still finding ways to win and. More importantly, the guys who are there needing to develop their game are 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 kind of the bright spots in in all of that. Uh, that they're finding ways to to continue to improve themselves and 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 help get wins, um, despite the fact that the team uh, likely will not make the postseason again this year. That's right, and um, you know. I, I, it's going to be difficult for um, more than difficult um, for uh, Laval to um, um, reach the playoffs this year. Um, and uh, there's, they're nine points back of, of the senators. Um, and uh, that doesn't seem to be insurmountable, um, you know, for, for the optimists, but um, nine points at this time of year is going to be difficult. Uh, we haven't seen Laval, be able to go on a stretch like Hershey did or like Bakersfield did. Uh, and at the same time, um, you know, there's, there's both Cleveland and Utica, uh, Utica, especially 
that are in much better positions to uh, to to overtake Belleville. Um, so they have to get past those two teams uh, as well. So it's it's looking like another uh, season for Laval uh, out of the playoffs. It is looking that way. Uh, this this week and uh, before we sign off today, we'll be giving you the preview of what's coming up this week. But this week uh, is is filled with uh, some divisional play as well. So will be very telling for sure by the end of this week. Uh, what things are really shaping up to look like. Now, the two people who we didn't talk about in that first part of this segment, talking about the three games that, that Laval played uh, last week, the two players that we did not speak about were Charlie Lingren and Michael McNiven. Um, in, the, in the Wednesday game, the overtime loss, uh, that was, Lindgren was in net for that. Uh, he faced 21 shots on goal uh, that night. Um, however, he was pulled, I should mention. After those three goals, um, after, those, after those three goals, he was pulled in and McNiven was put in, um, which to me was a little bit of a hasty choice. Um, but they managed to get to to overtime and and they got the win. Then so there's a day off. They play Toronto again on Friday, and I assumed that uh, that Lindgren would play again on Friday, and I kind of get a chance to redeem himself. But but no, um, they chose to go with McNiven on Friday night, um, and that was the game in which they were shut out three to nothing. Uh, and Charlie Lindgren was in the crease Saturday night for their five to three win in Utica. And that's when, um, that's when I think we first decided that we were going to, we we're definitely going to be talking about goaltending um, in this week's episode, because in that, in that game, that um, the five to three victory over Utica at one point, Utica was up three to one. Um the first two goals particularly were, were, were not Lindgren's fault. Um, the third goal, maybe you can make an argument, but, but it, um, it wasn't anything egregious. And there was, you know, there was some rumblings and people kind of coming out all over the place on Twitter about how, um, you know, it's a, it's a good thing um, that they came out with the win or, you know, after, after having that, having gotten pulled on Wednesday night, you know, that the narrative wasn't going to be good surrounding Lindgren. And then Antiniemi had a dismal performance. Uh, he finally gets into the lineup for the Canadians and plays absolutely horrendously. Um, and for some reason, the conversation again on social media turns to, yeah, well, I don't know. Has Charlie Lindgren really been playing that well? Maybe we should call Michael McNiven up. And that's when it just got silly. So Rick, let's let's talk a little bit about the goaltenders uh, in Laval, um, and of course, you know uh, the the newest news is of course that Charlie Lindgren was the one who was recalled um, yesterday, um, and not because there's there's an injury. He wasn't called up on emergency recall. Um, he was just called up uh, by the Canadians. So let let's talk a little bit about 
Charlie Lindgren, his stats, his performance, uh, how maybe reading statistics isn't the best way to analyze uh, a professional athlete. Um, and, and for that matter, you know, what, what this means for Michael McNiven now that he'll have the, the starting responsibilities in Laval. Yeah, I, I think this, this goes back to last summer um, when the organization made a, a huge mistake uh, goaltending is is an organizational strength, and mm-hmm. and the Canadians made a huge mistake. Um, uh, somehow, um, Antti Niemi m- managed to get patched together uh, enough uh, to salvage his season, and in in a in a very bad season uh, for the Canadians, looked okay, didn't look great. Um, he, he didn't look, um, uh, you know, he, not a technical goaltender ever, uh, but Mm-mm. he was, he was very fortunate and, uh, and his stats looked all right. And, uh, and, and he was one of the bright spots in a very bad season. Uh, the Canadians should have said, uh, wow. Um, you know, <laughs> we got through that. Thank goodness. Thank you, Anthony Emmy. Uh, now we're uh, now we're can, going to continue on with our goaltender pr- progression. We're going to have um, uh, uh, Charlie Lindgren as the backup um, for the Canadians um, this this year, and uh, Michael McNiven will get most of the starts um, in Lavelle. And and um, you know I I think we were all expecting that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, those of us who had watched uh, the progression of Charlie Lindgren, Charlie Lindgren had some uh, was during his call up last year, had, had some great, um, um, great performances. You think of that shutout uh, in Chicago in early yeah. November, uh, he was sensational um, and um, proved that he is an NHL caliber goaltender. Um so uh, then the Canadians, uh, they kind of botched this. Uh, Antti Niemi had a horrible preseason. Um, and, um, um, you know, in, in Lavelle, it was, uh, Lavelle had a terrible start. Uh, but Charlie Lindgren uh, was getting the entire workload. Um, mm-hmm. we were, I remember talking to uh, Michael McNiven, uh, who Michael McNiven ha- is a goaltender of prov- uh, promise as well. He's he was absolutely exceptionally good in the CHL. Uh, a little different, a little little less technical, a little less calm in his movements, more of an emotional goaltender. Uh, but he was very good, and and we probably saw him at his uh, lowest in terms of confidence, in terms of uh, you know faith in himself, and. and Understanding his place in the organization uh, early in the season when Charlie Lindgren was getting start after start after start. In fact, we reported um, probably early November that, that Charlie Lindgren um, had the most minutes played uh, of any goaltender in the AHL. Um, That's right. And Michael McNiven was like, okay, I, I don't know what I have to do to get a start. He was disenchanted beyond belief. Uh, and when he did get a shot, he was he just wasn't very good uh, because of that. Because of and he of was sent that. down to Brampton very briefly. He was. Um, 
So um, uh, then Charlie Lindgren, um, uh, um, probably because of his, uh, the amount he was being used, uh, suffered an injury. Uh, and he was out for six weeks. And during that time, um, well, there was Connor Lacouve, but, but uh, uh, it, was, it was McNiven. Um, and he was relied on, and he got his confidence back, and he started to play a little bit better. Charlie Lindgren mm-hmm. was rushed back. He, was, he uh, played um, after he'd been out so long. He had pl- played back-to-back games, which was a bizarre coaching move, uh, and he was re-injured again. Um, in fact, we, th- we thought he was, uh, um, injured in that, in that first game of, of the back-to-back and, and yet he was, the, he was, uh, the, put into the net to start the next game. Uh, some when they had bizarre... all three goaltenders on the road, all three goaltenders. Yeah. Um, now listen, uh, Joel Bouchard has never been a pro coach before, never dealt with a pro team. He's trying to figure it all out. He's, I think if people were honest, he botched the, the, the goaltending um, management uh, over the first half of the season. I hope he would be honest to, to say that. We, we know he's a, he's a guy who likes to feel his goaltenders, likes to, mm-hmm. to have a, 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 you know, an intuition about it. Uh, and and so pulls them quickly and capriciously and starts them capriciously and uh, he works more on emotion than than um, any kind of uh, sol- solid uh, stats um, and and that has affected his goaltenders as well and hopefully he's he's working through this and and learning uh, how to manage goaltending um, in the AHL. Um, so, you know, now um, when Antiniemi uh, strugg- has been struggling so much and, and isn't really an option anymore, forcing Carey Price to start um, 15 in a row in, in, in one stretch, um, you know, there was discussion about, um, oh, no, what, what do we do now? And, and uh, fans have said, well, you know, let's check the stats of Charlie Lindgren and they, they read off the goals against and the save percentage and, and, Oh gee, we can't do that. And what disappoints me is that, and, and I know that, that uh, all the commentators don't spend a lot of time, uh, not as much as, as we do studying and, and watching and, and interacting with the players, uh, the AHL. Uh, but, but, but they picked up on that and, and started the, the negativity towards Charlie Lindgren and, oh, no, he certainly mm-hmm. can't be an option. And even those who, who watch him on um, regularly. But, you know, we all have our different expertises and, and maybe analysis isn't, isn't theirs. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's a reason for the stats. Uh, as I've said over and over and over and over again, stats without context, uh, those stats are meaningless. Um, and I'd contend that that, that goes for, for Charlie Lindgren as well. To, to characterize mm-hmm. Charlie Lindgren as having um, uh, you know, a bad season or a difficult season or that he struggled is just an absolute uh, false narrative uh, based on poor analysis. Um, if you look when, as I said, Charlie Lindgren was 
um, starting every game. He was he had a really heavy workload in October um, and into November. If you look at the losses um, in October, as I've done, um, uh, in uh, by the Laval Rocket, uh, losses three to one, two to one to Binghamton. Uh, Toronto two to one, Rochester three to two, Belleville two to one. The the Laval Rocket lost um, seven times in October. And remember, it was the worst start by a Canadiens AHL affiliate in 25 years. Remember that they had a terrible start. But in those seven losses that they had in October, the goaltender. The goaltenders, I'll say, uh, but for the most part, it was Charlie Lindgren. The goaltenders gave up 11 goals. They gave up one goal four times. They gave up two goals two times. They gave up three goals once. Seven losses, 11 goals. That's not, that's not on goaltending. They weren't losing because of goaltending. All season long, it's been... Uh, that they've been at the bottom of the league in, in terms of goals for. If you look at November, and some of these are going to be um, uh, Michael McNiven, uh, but mostly still Charlie, eight losses in November, 15 goals given up. That's not on goaltending. So uh, this narrative about, oh, it was a tough season or, or goaltending's been a prom- problem in Laval is utter nonsense. It's just false it's utterly false. Um, and, you know, when we talked to, to uh, Charlie, he, he spoke about the, what happens with statistics and, and that he can't uh, worry so much about that. All he can do is do, you know, what, what he's in control of. We talked to Marco Marciano, who said Charlie Lincoln's playing exceptionally well. Uh, and that was a couple of weeks ago. And we're happy mm-hmm. with the way, way where his game is at. Um, so, uh, you know, rather than pick out um, goals against and save percentage and, and scream and yell about those things and say, this isn't a very goal, uh, uh, good goaltender and why, are, why is he being recalled? I think you need uh, some additional information. You need some context and you need people who are willing like us to, to dive in a little bit deeper um, and, and uh, provide the kind of, of context that, that puts it all into perspective. And here's the thing that, that people need to remember as well, because, you know, everyone likes to, I know it's the popular thing to do that anyone who played well in, in junior or in college, it's, Oh, but that he did so well. in Okay. Well, yes there are guys that do really well in junior and in college hockey. And um, that's not to be ignored, um, but you don't use that. You know, people do that. You, you just gave McNiven his pat on the back on, on what an, an exceptional player in the CHL he was. And, and at, absolutely keep in mind last year was Michael McNiven's rookie season in the AHL. Charlie Lindgren has played a little bit longer than he has. Um, Michael McNiven is still very young in his development as a goaltender. Goaltending is one of the slowest positions to develop um, if to make it to the NHL. Um, you know, 
as you mentioned, Rick, the, the, the ideal situation and what should have happened this year should have been that Charlie Lindgren was up with the Canadians backing up Carey Price and Michael McNiven should have had the crease uh, this full season in Laval, which would have given him some exceptional confidence and experience and getting him a lot of ice time because that's what he needs right now as well. But no, instead it was Charlie Linger and they probably overworked him a little bit. Um, and, and as you say, you know, this, this narrative, particularly since he came back from injury, which um, I agree wholeheartedly that, that it was mishandled his return from injury. And then they, they, because of that, he re-injured and, and had to take another week or so off, um, which I doubt the player was, was pleased about that either. Um, it's just not how you handle an injury, particularly with a goaltender. And, and that the narrative likes to be that ever since his injury, he hasn't been the same. Well, first of all, <laughs> even at the base of that, you could say that about any player that comes back from injury. Oh, well, you know, he just hasn't been the same since his injury. Well, every player, you have to work back through an injury. But that's not like that's that's just not it's a non-starter. This team is a team that has been playing under 500 for the majority of the season. I'd say probably 98 to 99% of the time that they've played this season, they've not been a winning team. At least, you know, as far as as playing at at at, at least a 500 level. When you are the technically the starting goaltender for such an organization, and your team has not performed well all season. And, and you detailed that so well, Rick, with, with breaking down those losses, particularly in October and November, which were mostly lingering, and how few goals were being allowed in, in those opening two months, which, yes, were the, was the worst start for the Canadians affiliate in decades. Um, then, yeah, your, your stats as a goaltender are going to be affected. I, I don't understand why people don't have the common sense and ability to understand that. If Charlie Lindgren had the stats that he had, and, and let's just, he's played 33 games. He has a 2.94 goals against and an 884 save percentage. If he had those kinds of stats and, and, and the Laval rocket was second in the division and charging forward with a really strong playoff position, then okay. And, 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 and they were giving up three, four, five goals every night. Maybe you might have an argument, but that's the f- exact opposite of this situation. Last year when the team was one of the w- finished as one of the worst in the league, an absolutely dismal season for the Laval Rocket caused complete turnover with the playing personnel, caused complete turnover with the coaching staff. Charlie Lindgren said repeatedly, I am not what my stat sheet says. And anyone who watched him play would agree that goaltending was not the problem last year. Keep in mind, if you want to talk about how good of a goaltender some guys were, uh, you know, back in the day, his first season with the St. John's Ice Caps in 2016-17, I just want to remind people of who Charlie Lindgren is. Um, he was an AHL, AHL All-Star that year. 2.56 goals against, the 9.14 save percentage, played four games in the playoffs that year with a 9.22 save percentage and a 2.21 goals against. Exceptional season for Charlie Lindgren, his first full season out of the NCAA. 
Um, he's performed phenomenally well every time the Canadians have recalled him. Um, and if you if you want to go back even to his days before that, he he played for St. Cloud State University. That sound familiar? That's where Ryan Paling plays right now. A very strong hockey team that is hockey school and hockey program that is always competitive uh, come playoff time. And in 2015-16, right before he he then came on board with the Canadians organization, uh, NCAA champs, the NCHC goaltender of the year, first all-star team. So Charlie Lindgren has the accolades as well. And Charlie Lindgren has proven season after season that he's level-headed. He has He's, he's an exceptional technical goaltender. He's calm. He's confident. Um, and he's quite effective and quite ready. He's been ready to be Carey Price's backup. Um, and none of that is to knock anything that Michael McNiven does. Michael McNiven, as you say, um, is going to be a very good goaltender as well. He just he needs another year or so to develop um, before he can have that kind of responsibility. Charlie Lindgren's ready. I am. I'm. Couldn't be happier that he was recalled yesterday. Um, Anthony Ami cannot be relied on. I, I certainly hope that Charlie gets uh, a decent uh, look with the Canadians, particularly there in a playoff push. Uh, so maybe in that kind of an environment, positive environment where they're trying to win each and every night to make it into the playoffs, um, that could be very good for for Lindgren. Um, and I'm just absolutely tired of the nonsense of, well, he just hasn't been the same. And maybe, maybe Michael McNiven has surpassed him this season. No, I'm sorry. That's just, that's painting a picture that you want to paint for some reason. I, I, who knows what that reason could be, but I, I, I can't, I just can't stand by um, and listen to that. Uh, this, this is a, this is a guy who works very hard. He's very talented. He's going to do very well in the NHL. It's uh, yeah, and and I'll just uh, reiterate. Um, I thought I was clear, but uh, to reiterate, this is not against. Uh, this is there's nothing against Michael McNiven. No, um, not at all. At all, uh, Michael McNiven is just at a, a different point in the development process. Um, yeah, and uh, and it's something he needs to go through. It's it's uh, he needs to um, uh, be the number one uh, in Laval. And um, and 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 be able to uh, adapt to that and 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 know what that feels like and and go through the grind of it. Um, you know, I, I can't uh, emphasize the, the the point enough how much of a, a workhorse uh, Charlie Lindgren was. Uh, he missed six weeks because of um, a little more than six weeks because of of injury, and yet he still. Uh, top 20 in the AHL in terms of minutes played. That's remarkable. Um, and um, it, it shows where he was, uh, you know, bef- before he went down with, uh, with injury. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if you're looking at, um, um, you know, is he a clutch goaltender? Well, of course, right now he's second in shootout save percentage uh, in the league um, and, and has, has won his team games. Um in 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 the shootout, um, I th- I think this is this is uh, uh, unfortunate the the narrative and it 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 uh, puts Charlie Lindgren in a 
in a tough position um, as well uh, at the time. You know, wouldn't this wouldn't this have been so much easier to sort out um, early in the season rather than bringing him in in um, the second week of March when every mm-hmm. single game is a must win for the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, and right. that pressure is enormous, uh, absolutely enormous. And uh, bringing him in in such extremely difficult conditions is is probably a little unfair, not a little, a lot unfair. Um, but, um, you know, he's, uh, we'll, we'll see how he's, he's utilized, but, um, it was, it was the move that should have happened much, much earlier in the season. Absolutely. Thankfully, you know, um, he's got a good head on his shoulders and, and, uh, he may feed off that pressure a little bit. Um, I just, I, I, I invite Montreal Canadiens fans to, Welcome him with open arms uh, if he does get uh, a start. Um, one game does not tell a full story. So, you know, let's uh, – in fact, I think it was Jordan Wheel's first game uh, that I was watching a week or so ago, and, and Dan Robertson <laughs> mentioned, you know, it's a lot of pressure um, – coming in playing your first game with a new team and that kind of thing. And so, you know, you can't really, can't really assess a player uh, after just one game. And I thought, gee, it would be awfully nice if, if that kind of consideration was given to every prospect who's called up and, and plays a game for the Canadians that you you can't tell the whole story from one game. Um, the other, the other one thing that I, there was, I had a list of things that I wanted to, to remind people about some of Lindgren's accomplishments. Um, and the one thing that I did forget, you know, we go back to last year, that, that horrible season last year, worst, worst team in the league, terrible finish. Um, and so, of course, Lindgren's stats weren't glowing uh, accordingly, not because of his play, but because of, of the team's performance. But somehow still was still managed to be invited to represent team USA playing in the world championships of hockey last summer was the goaltender for one of the worst teams in the league and still repped his country uh, last summer uh, in worlds. That's a testament to scouts and management already knowing what kind of player he is, what kind of goaltender he is um, and that his stats we should mention, um, Rick, moving on from that, um, that kind of leads us right into, okay, so what are the roster and injury updates? So, of course, Charlie Lindgren has been recalled by the Montreal Canadiens. That means McNiven moves into the starting goaltender position for now. Uh, but he needed a backup. So, Connor Lacouve was recalled from the main Mariners in the ECHL. Uh, interestingly enough, it wasn't Etienne Marcoux who hmm, – I think he's had a contract a little longer than Connor Lacouve, but hey, what do I know? Um, and so those two will be the the goaltending tandem in Laval uh, this coming week. Also, Felix Martineau has been um, reassigned to the ECHL, uh, back to the wing Comets. Um, and the other roster update in the last two weeks, uh, right at the AHL trade, trade deadline, Adam defenseman Adam Plant was traded to the Milwaukee Admirals for future considerations. 
So um, those are your roster updates for, for right now. As far as injury updates go, Nikita Yevpilovs has been out for a few games with an injury. Um, no word yet as to whether or not he will return to the lineup uh, in tomorrow night's game or not. Uh, Hunter Shinkarik might be getting closer to coming back. Uh, still not sure on that yet. Um, and allegedly uh, Noah Jolson has been, has been skating. I don't know that he'll, uh, I, I don't know that there's any projection for him to come back this season, but it seems that his recovery is progressing as well. Uh, with that, um, I uh, oh one other injury update on the Flyers uh, the Flyers side of things. It looks like Carter Hart has come back from his injury. He is going to be starting uh, this week. So good news for the Flyers uh, and for Phantoms fans, of course, who are who are Carter Hart fans, uh, that he is back from his injury uh, that has taken him out of the lineup ever since um, the Stadium Series game, the outdoor game. Uh, and so he will be back in the lineup this week for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, on that note, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to take a trip around the AHL, uh, find out who the player of the week is, find out who's been suspended, and take a look at the general league-wide playoff picture. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back after this quick word. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Rick, it's happened. What's happened? It, ha- it has happened. The American Hockey League has named a CCM AHL Player of the Week who is not someone the Laval Rocket faced last week. Well, maybe they should pick guys from the Western Conference more often. Maybe. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, it's because this guy didn't even have a chance to play the Laval Rocket last week. He is a Western Conference player. Uh, forward Dylan Dubé from the Stockton Heat was the CCM AHL Player of the Week last week, scoring four goals, two of which were shorthanded goals, and three assists for seven points in just three games for the Heat last week. Um, been, uh, you know, Stockton's been been a little little up and down. Um, they're currently sitting uh, right now. They're they're in sixth place in the Pacific Division, uh, just ahead of the Ontario Reign. Uh, so not not a great season for them, but uh, really set up a nice seven to five victory over the San Diego Gulls, who are doing exceptionally well in the second half of the season. Uh, he had the tying goal and then. Scored 
scored the go-ahead goal later in the second period, uh, which helped propel uh, Stockton to that 7-5 to victory over San Diego. And then um, another team that's been doing exceptionally well this season, Bakersfield. Uh, Dubé scored shorthanded in a game against Bakersfield last week. Um, helping to beat the Condors 4-1, to one, which actually ended the Condors' 10-game road-winning streak. So pretty good week there for Mr. Dylan Dubé of the Stockton Heat, and he is this week's CCM AHL Player of the Week. Congratulations. Congratulations. Not so much congratulations to a few people who have been suspended this week. Charlotte Checkers defenseman Hayden Flurry. Had a one-game suspension uh, because of an illegal check to the head against Lehigh Valley on March 8th. So he will – he actually has already missed uh, his – he's already served his suspension. Uh, Belleville Senators defenseman Andreas Englund was suspended for one game, again, for an illegal check to the head. And Cleveland Monsters forward Cole Sherwood was suspended for one game um, just as a consequence of his actions. Uh, He – had an automatic one-game suspension because he had a second-game misconduct in the physical foul category for this season. So he automatically got a one-game suspension for that. So those are your latest AHL suspensions. Those are players who were out of the lineup. A guy who is in the lineup uh, more often than not uh, here lately is a guy that I think probably most hockey fans are pretty familiar with, and he's probably played in your city. No, I'm not talking about Mike McKenna. I'm talking about Michael Layton. Um, Michael Layton is now playing. Uh, he's, he's now with the Vancouver Canucks organization. He's playing for the Utica Comets uh, currently. And he was the starting goaltender against Charlie Lindgren in Saturday night's game uh, against Laval in Laval. And it also happened to be Michael Layton's 500th regular season game of his AHL career, becoming just the eighth goaltender in American Hockey League history to reach that milestone. 500 games. I feel well, like we've all you know watched that, all 500 games. <laughs> you know what, what I feel about those kind of longevity um, records in the, the AHL, that it says something yeah. about how you weren't able to, to, to make it in the NHL. But, but let's give Michael Layton credit. Um, you know, he was a, a, a six-round pick back in 1999, and My goodness. somehow he's managed to parlay that into um, a, a career, a hockey career, uh, mostly in the AHL. Uh, but he's he's managed to hang around and and um, make himself valuable to uh, mm-hmm. the many organizations that that he's been with, including the Flyers, including very briefly the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> when they picked them off off waivers uh, and um, from the Flyers. Yeah, and then and then um, sent him off to Carolina, I believe, for a, a, a seventh yep. round pick. Um, but yeah, good good for him. He's uh, he certainly has his his share of jerseys, uh, like McKenna does, and and uh, and he's seen a lot of different parts of the country. He certainly has. Um, and sorry to say, Mr. Layton, that uh, Charlie Lindgren had to spoil your 500th game by handing you a defeat. On uh, 
<laughs> on Saturday night. But congratulations to Michael Layton. 500 games is is nothing to turn your nose up at. What was the stat that um, uh, 500 games played in 50 some odd arenas? 51 different arenas, I believe, yeah. is the number. 51 different AHL arenas. That's a lot of arenas. <laughs> a lot of arenas. And and proves that arenas have come and gone since, uh, since uh, he's yeah, been in just the league. A few. So with that being said, Rick, let's just take a, a, a quick look at the overall play playoff picture for the American Hockey League. We know that Laval uh, would have a steep hill to climb if they were they were to get in it. Um, Lehigh Valley, however, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that this the second half of the season hasn't been easy for Lehigh Valley, but they are still scratching and clawing their way uh, to try to to get back in the playoff picture. They're sitting at 66 points right now in fifth place in the Atlantic Division, which is five points behind the Providence Bruins, who are holding on to that last playoff spot. Um, so they're they still have a shot. Boy, it's it's tough though. Um, we talked uh, a couple weeks ago about the the way Hershey ultimately uh, standings, and you you'd think that um, you know Charlotte is is uh, cream of the crop in the league, uh, Bridgeport not too far behind, um, then Hershey and and Providence kind of jockeying for the three four right now, and. And then you have Lehigh Valley, Wilkesbury, and Springfield all within a, a couple of points of each other. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's going to be really tough. Uh, you know, they're only five points back of Lehigh Valley, that is, of Providence. But um, they're going to have to put together a pretty impressive uh, string. And they're going to have to defeat, uh, you know, their their division rivals, um, and keep them um, behind in the rear view uh, uh, to be able to uh, get back into the, the uh, a playoff spot. Will be interesting to see, uh, as you say, Lehigh Valley is at 66 points, Wilkes-Barre Scranton at 65 points, Springfield Thunderbirds 64 points sitting in seventh place. So anything can happen there. Um, Springfield has played the most games of the three of those teams with 62. We have Allie's played 61. Uh, Wilkes-Barre has two games in hand uh, on, on them. So that'll be a race to keep an eye on uh, those who are sitting in a playoff spot. Um, the one and two spots are pretty secure. Charlotte at 85 points uh, and in second place, Bridgeport was 79, but, but three and four, that seating could change. Hershey's in third place after going on that tremendous run uh, from the bottom of the division all the way to, to third right now with 72 points. But Providence is right behind them at 71 points. Um, so there'll be lots of jockeying there trying to get a better seating position um, while hopefully keeping, you know, they'll see if they can keep the Phantoms and the Penguins and the Thunderbirds uh, down at the bottom of the standing. So the Atlantic division is going to be a fun fun one to watch here coming down the stretch for the last month in the North division. We've talked plenty about the bottom of the division. However, uh, still jockeying proceeding at the top of the North division, Rick uh, Rochester is back in first place again after getting knocked out by Syracuse, but Syracuse is only a point behind them in second place. Uh, so I think those two are going to continue to, to really go at each other trying to get that top seated position. 
And and what about Belleville? Um, in with all yeah. the the turmoil that's going on with the parent organization, uh, they've made a bit of a push themselves, and have have, have uh, they're just ahead of Utica now for and holding on to the last uh, playoff position. Um, and uh, you know they had a, a big win last night against the Marlies, and uh, uh, they're they're that's going to be interesting to see. Um, whether Belleville or Utica comes out of that. Um, now, whether it's uh, Toronto against Syracuse or Toronto against Rochester, uh, either one of those will be an uh, excellent uh, series. And, and there's that, the, the rivalry, the, the Toronto Buffalo kind of rivalry. If, if Rochester gets in or mm-hmm. um, uh, Toronto chasing um, uh, Tampa, uh, in the NHL, and and you have that kind of Syracuse-Toronto uh, rivalry. Both both should be very good series. And and uh, look at Toronto, who uh, were left for dead <laughs> at the beginning of the yeah. season, and and had trouble with goaltending, and and um, they've managed to uh, excellent coaching there, and and uh, they've managed to uh, move up and and uh, look to be pretty solid for a playoff position. Out in the Western Conference Central Division, Chicago Wolves still sitting in that first position, but but the top three spots in the Central, um, there could be a push there. If the Iowa Wild go on a streak, um, they're sitting in third place at 74 points, just two points behind the Grand Rapids Griffins, who are three points behind Chicago. So 79, 76, 74, that's the point differential for the top three spots in the Central Division. Uh, that fourth position is held by the Texas Stars with 67 points. I I, I don't know that uh, that kind of a, a comeback is going uh, to happen for them to move up in seeding. However, the Ice Hogs and the Admirals are tied for fifth place at 64 points. So um, And Manitoba is right behind them with 63 points. So I think that fourth playoff spot in the Central Division is definitely still up for grabs. Um mm-hmm particularly with Manitoba only has played 60 games so far. Uh, the Admirals have played 63. So Manitoba's got three games in hand on the, on the, on the team that's sitting just a point ahead of them. Um, I think that could be a pretty tight race for the next month. Manitoba is, um, that's another team who um, is well coached and, and they've, uh, they've had a big turnover with a lot of their, uh, prime prospects going uh, up to the Jets. They've got they've had very good goaltending um, in with Eric Comrie, uh, one of the best goaltenders in the AHL uh, this season, mm-hmm. and and they managed to uh, find a way to. That, Manitoba's issue is they don't score very very much, kind of like uh, Laval, but um, uh, they've uh, they've found found ways to win, and and they still have a shot at uh, at the playoffs. Pacific Division, Bakersfield pretty much has that number one spot tied up at 75 points. Um, Second, third, and fourth place will all be jockeying for position. You've got the San Jose Barracuda, the San Diego Gulls, and the Colorado Eagles all within uh, two to four points of each other. So there'll be some jockeying for for their positioning there. Uh, The Tucson Roadrunners are sitting in fifth place at 57 points, which is seven points out of that number four spot. It would take a bit of a miracle for them to, to come back, but you never know. Um, it's the Pacific division is looking a little more 
uh, kind of tied up. It's just going to be a matter of, of who ends up in what position in that top four. Yeah, the only thing with Tucson is they have to win the games that they have in hand for any right. hope um, at all uh, to, That's be, right. uh, to, to challenge um, Colorado. We will be sure to keep you apprised of all of the changes in positioning and, the, and how the playoff picture continues to develop as we come down the stretch here for the last month of the regular season, uh, including how the Lehigh Valley Phantoms will shape out uh, and, and whether Laval um, would, would potentially have a chance or not. It's not looking so great, but of course we'll, you know, the one thing that the team has not done has, has, has given up or or had any quit in them, so it'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch the entire league as they come down the stretch, and we will keep you updated as it happens. Um, when we come back from this break, we're going to go beyond the AHL, talk a little bit about uh, how things are shaping up for the postseason for the NCAA. Uh, before we give you our weekly preview of coverage for this week, so don't go anywhere. We will be back right after this quick message. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Well, it is uh, it is just about mid-March, Rick, and that means that things in NCAA hockey are really heating up uh, because they are very close to the Frozen Four, which is the championship tournament uh, for for NCAA uh, hockey here in the States. Um, so we're going to talk briefly uh, just about, you know, some of the Canadians and Flyers prospects who potentially could be in the tournament as of uh, the latest rankings. But before that, you know, as schools uh, wrap up their seasons, those who aren't going to to continue forth in the tournament, uh, we'll start to see some very notable names uh, coming out of college hockey and, and signing with their respective teams and the first big name to do that uh surprisingly the university of michigan is is out of the running uh they they were they fell pretty far in the rankings this year and after completing his second uh season with the wolverines in the big 10 quinn hughes um just 19 years old he signed his three-year entry-level contract with the vancouver canucks yesterday and congratulations to him. We we um, 
have seen him and, and interviewed him, caught up with him uh, several times. Um, the uh, All-American Prospects game at the World Juniors and um, and uh, in Lake Placid. And, and he was... Um, he was always very uh, uh, quick wit and uh, and uh, entertaining to to talk to. Um, and uh, I remember one case of us having to to vouch for him when he got mistaken That's right. for a fan, uh, and we said, "No, no, this is Quinn Hughes." And and um, um, he's you know he's kind of got that um uh Victor Meta kind of 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 physique um and uh uh but but far more skilled um uh than than uh than Victor and and um he's just um you know so smart and such a a creative force on the on the ice that um um, he, he's uh, a magician with a puck. He skates so well. He, he plays that mm-hmm. kind of rover role uh, rather than uh, a true defenseman and, and just uh, all over the, the ice. It's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to um, the NHL and, and uh, what an opportunity for him that, well, you know, there was some question of whether it would happen. Um, he, he blocked a shot in one of the final games Um in college hockey and, and, uh, but fortunately it was only a, a bruise, nothing broken there. So, um, you know, keep an eye on, on, uh, Quinn Hughes making his debut with NHL debut with the Vancouver Canucks. That's right. And general manager, Jim Benning, um, did say that, um, he's not quite ready to play yet. He still has a, a bit of swelling in the ankle has a little bit of a limp, but that as soon as he's healthy and ready to play that, that Benning, plans to get him in the lineup so uh, I think I think hockey fans will really enjoy watching Quinn Hughes play he's he's uh, he's he's quite something to watch out there he's he's all over the place uh, in a good way Uh, so congratulations to Quinn Hughes and we'll start to see uh, more of that happening as as certain schools come bring their uh, hockey seasons to an end. I think uh, there were a few players from Princeton who just signed some entry-level contracts today, uh, things of that nature. So it will be exciting as that starts to happen. Um, but as far as, as the NCAA postseason go, uh, the rankings are still, you know, are, are still happening. Uh, selection for the 16 teams who will advance to the next round uh, and, and be in the frozen four running um, that selection will happen. I believe later this week um, and sitting in first place in the rankings right now is St. Cloud state, which is where Ryan Paling plays. Um, they've had a, an absolutely exceptional season um, and they are uh, closely followed by Minnesota state, um, Minnesota Duluth, Massachusetts and Quinnipiac are, are currently the top five rankings. Um, so Rick, let's just really quickly just kind of review of of the Canadians and the Flyers prospects who currently play in the NCAA. Each team actually has four uh, players, has four prospects um, who are currently playing for schools who are in the top 16 of the ranking and could potentially play um, to advance to the Frozen Four. So uh, we can uh, quickly just uh, inform folks of who to keep an eye on that they might get to see some some really exciting hockey from coming up. Uh, and of course, we can start with the Canadians with number one, Ryan Paling. Of course, will will be there playing for St. Cloud State. 
Brian Paling's had a great season, and and uh, I think he has has uh, moved his game to a you know a new level, and and is now um, really being seen as as someone who can come in and and uh, challenge for that that number two center role uh, on the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and uh, you know he he was we saw him at. Uh, uh, the world juniors and, and, um, he's, he's a terrific young man and, and, um, um, has, has had a, a, absolutely a great season. Brett Stapley from, uh, from Denver and, um, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, just, uh, last season, last year when we, we, uh, were at the frozen four, we saw the university of Denver and of course, Adam plant was playing, um, and Adam Plant, one of those roster changes uh, that you mentioned going to uh, Milwaukee. Uh, at Northeastern, um, Canadian prospects, Caden Primo, who we saw in the World Juniors. Um, um, what a seventh-round pick for, for the Canadians there in yeah. Primo. And Jordan Harris, uh, also at, uh, at Northeastern. So those four schools... Uh, uh, St. Cloud State is currently ranked number one. University of Denver, where Step- Stapley is playing, is is sitting at, at eighth, and Northeastern is ninth in the rankings. So, uh, the Canadians have have some uh, Canadian fans will for sure get to see uh, some of their prospects uh, in action for the NCAA tournament. Now, on the Philadelphia Flyers side of things, and and Phantoms fans as well, there are also four players there who are currently playing for schools ranked in the top sixteen. Um, one of which is Tanner Lazinski, who's playing for Ohio State, currently ranked at sixth. Um, so, and it's it's possible. What's interesting is that um, yet again this year, uh, as Rick mentioned, we we attended the Midwest Regional um, and uh, semifinals, um, which were held in Allentown at the PPL Center where the Lehigh Valley Phantoms play. Uh, they will be hosting that regional tournament again this year. So Phantoms fans, there's a good chance uh, that you will get to see Tanner Lazinski playing for Ohio State in the PPL Center, um, as well as possibly Wade Allison, who plays from Western Michigan University, um, a right winger for for Western Michigan. Um, Those two teams are projected to possibly be playing in Allentown for that Western Regional. So it'll be interesting for Flyers fans and Phantoms fans to get to see two of their projects uh, prospects potentially on home ice. Um, Rick, the other two that uh, are Flyers prospects who should make it into tournament action, Noah Cates at University of Minnesota Duluth. Um, and then, of course, there's also, is there another one? There was another one, Jay O'Brien. Uh, Jay O'Brien, who uh, we actually were very impressed with at, at development camp. He plays for Providence, who is currently ranked seventh. Um, and and he should he should get a good look at uh, some tournament action as well. Liked Jay O'Brien a lot at uh, Flyers yeah. Development Camp. Uh, very very smart player, exceptionally smart, um, uh, high hockey IQ. Um, yeah, uh, watch out for him if um, once you watch the uh, the Frozen Four. For sure. So we will be sure to keep you apprised uh, when we come back uh, with next week's. Uh, episode will be able to uh, potentially give you the rundown of which 16 teams were selected uh, to play 
uh, and we should have a better idea of what teams are playing in what cities for their regional tournaments uh, as we continue down the road to the Frozen Four, uh, which is oh, if you haven't if if you're if you haven't watched NCAA hockey, particularly at this level, um, particularly for the Frozen Four and the games leading up to it, it is exceptionally exciting hockey. I, I highly recommend you catch it if you can. And with that being said, looking at this week uh, for Laval and Lehigh Valley, uh, Laval has three games on tap this week, one more at home. They play Syracuse at Place Bell tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Um, our Chris G will be uh, at Place Bell in Laval to uh, catch the game. Uh, we'll be we'll be both bringing you some live game updates uh, on Twitter, and Chris will be there to do uh, some post game interviews with uh, the coach and players as well. And then Friday and Saturday, Laval hit the road, and they do a back to back. Friday night and Saturday night in Belleville. And Rick, we just got done talking about how Belleville is, is comfortably sitting in that number four um, position right now. Um, so these two, these two games this weekend, particularly um, with the rocket nine points behind the senators, those two games are, are going to be, for the Senators, they're going to be must-wins, but for Laval, they're going to be wanting those four points as well to close that gap on uh, on Belleville for sure. And these two teams uh, quite familiar with each other as uh, oh yes, <laughs> you know, with twelve games plus the season, um, more than twelve games this season. And Lehigh Valley has uh, has got a bit of a homestand Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, yeah, uh, and. Um, well, Wilkesbury is going to be that that Wilkesbury game is going to be interesting on Wednesday because one of the teams mm-hmm. uh, a, b- a bitter rival, of course, uh, but one of those teams that uh, that that they're competing against for that final uh, playoff spot. Including that on Friday, they're playing Providence. Uh, they're they're chasing Providence right now, and then Toronto on Saturday, which may not have you know the. Lehigh Valley is looking for the points, but that game against Toronto on Saturday has North division implications as well um, as to whether or not Toronto picks up additional points to, to propel themselves further ahead in the standings or not. So lots of well, excitement. A little bit of leftover, uh, little leftover rivalry from uh, last year's uh, playoffs as well when the Phantoms and well, the Marlies went head to head. That was a, that was a very good series. Um, very, very good series. Of course, Toronto, won that series, went on to the Calder Cup final and won it. And they won it. So it will be an exciting week of hockey no matter what. You know that we'll have you covered the whole way here at the AHL Report and Rocket Sports. Uh, Rick, we, of course, always invite people to catch up with us online on social media, Check out the website, ahl.report. That's where you'll find all of the game recaps, uh, interviews, audio, all of those kinds of things. On Twitter, you can find us at the AHL Report. Uh, you can find Rick at All Habs. You'll find me at Flyers Rule. And then, um, of course, be sure to follow us on, on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, plenty of ways to, to follow all of the coverage that we bring you. Uh, for for your favorite team and Rick of course then there's also just a whole offering of 
this podcast and, and all of our other Rocket Sports Radio podcasts out there uh, for people to find on their favorite platform as well. That's right. Uh, just um, you can go to the, the website, ahl.report. You'll find from the press box there. Uh, you can go to allhabs.net. You can, you'll find uh, the Canadians Connection. Uh, you'll find Have a Listen. You'll find uh, Habs Unfiltered podcast there. Or if you're on the go, uh, just search for Rocket Sports Radio on your favorite podcast app. Excellent. Well, be sure you um, wear your earmuffs while you're planting flowers. I shall do that. And pie and, and, and potato chips on Thursday. That sounds like the dinner of champions to me. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this week for another great episode of From the Press Box. Uh, we will be right back here with you again next Tuesday. Same, uh, same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, we thanks so much for, for joining us. Rick, thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure. Uh, great episode again today. And uh, we will see you all back here next Tuesday. Have a great week and enjoy hockey. We'll see you on Tuesday. And keep on wishing. Remember your dreams is your only skin.